Whether you're buying a new car, a used car, or refinancing your current car, FedChoice Federal Credit Union could help save you money. FedChoice makes buying a car so easy that you can do everything right from your smartphone or on a computer. Become a member today and you can take advantage of their great rates and financing options. Find out more at FedChoice.org. That's FedChoice.org. Membership open to federal employees, including contractors and their families. FedChoice Federal Credit Union, insured by NCUA. Gone, absent, away, lost, disappeared, astray, removed, unaccounted for. There are many words you can use when someone is missing, but which one accurately describes what happened to Terrence Woods? The 27-year-old world-traveling video and film producer never came home from his last shoot in the Idaho wilderness. And so many questions surround the odd circumstances, like did he really just run down a cliff and vanish without a trace? After meeting with the sheriff and detective in Grangeville, Idaho, Terrence's parents know that search teams found no sign of their son, despite several days of canvassing the forested cliffs. There were no footprints in the newly fallen snow, no indication really that Terrence was ever there. They felt adrift and hopeless. Albert Rollins knows that feeling deeply. Everything that comes out of there is not good. His son, Reese, and three other young men disappeared in Idaho County in May of 2018. Reese had just taken a job as a hunting guide with a company called Storm Creek Outfitters. During a bear hunting trip in the Bitterroot Wilderness, there was an accident. Six people in all rolled into the Selway River in a blue Chevy Suburban. Two got out and made it back to camp. Four were missing. Local police came to Albert's home in Oregon to deliver the news. Then he says he immediately got on the phone with Idaho County Sheriff Doug Giddings. I, I just asked him straight up. I said, I want to know if my son is alive or if my son is dead. And he told me, well, at this time, he is presumed dead. And four people are still in the vehicle and under the water and it's stuck in the river. And I said, okay, so what, what, what? what can I do, where do I go, and, you know, obviously I was kind of in a state of shock. But he told me, he said, well, there's no reason to come here because, you know, they're, they're, they're in the vehicle and it's stuck in the river, so we're just going to have to wait for the water to go down. I mean, I, 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 it blew me away, you know, it's like, what, I'm just supposed to, like, what, go back to mowing the yard or what? The Rollins family mobilized and flew to Idaho. Albert says when they got to the crash scene, they were shocked by what they didn't see. It was right out of hell, let's put it that way. I mean, nobody was doing nothing. There was no search and rescue. There was no tape. There was, I expected there to be people there, you know, like somebody, somebody or, or like some tape on the bush or a flag or, or something, but nobody was there. There was just this god-awful side of a suburban upside down stuck in the river and supposedly my son was in it and three other young men. 21-year-old Reese Rollins, 21-year-old Kobe Clark from Montana and two brothers, 21-year-old Jesse Ferrieri and 24-year-old Ray Ferrieri of New York. Nearby counties did fly their rescue helicopters over the river but detected no evidence of body heat. 
Albert says it seemed like the Idaho County Sheriff's Office wasn't going to do much more than that. My concern was is that my son or three other boys got out on the other side of the river and they're sitting across the river, hypothermic or dead, and they're just waiting, you know, for, for somebody to find them. The Rollins family and friends gathered their own resources and searched for eight days. They made t-shirts, hats, and bumper stickers with the slogan, Search the Selway, and built a large Facebook group called Finding Reese Rollins. On that page is video of the group pulling the empty suburban to shore after it had come loose in the strong current. No sign of the young men inside. They bought rafts and hired divers to search the log jams and opposite banks. Eventually, they had to give up and go home, leaving Reese behind. I felt like, like my son was waiting for me to come, you know, to find him or to help him or to do something, and, and I couldn't. It was the worst feeling in the whole world. Hikers found Reese's body a month later, 45 miles downriver. Then Kobe surfaced two days after Reese. But Jesse and Ray Ferrieri are still out there somewhere. 25-year-old Shanta Panky had been missing since April 2018. She and her boyfriend were at a campground outside of Grangeville, Idaho. He told the sheriff's department they got into a disagreement. Then Shanta walked off near the Salmon River. She never came back. Initially, Idaho County Sheriff's detectives said it's possible she caught a ride or fell into the river. Later, private searchers hired by the Panky family found a hairbrush and a cowboy boot that matched those Shanta was wearing. Randy French disappeared in July 2017 when he didn't come home from a fishing trip along the Salmon River. Parts of his truck were found not far from where Shanta Panky was last seen. In November 2018, his family gathered for a memorial at his favorite pub. A year and a half later, they gave up hope. And I mentioned back in episode two that three people were reported missing on the same weekend in October 2018, stretching the Sheriff's Department's resources. Jose Mendez Morales was headed to Elk City from Tacoma, Washington in his red and white Ford F-250. He checked in with his family from Grangeville, Idaho on September 25th, then nothing. The Sheriff's Department put out an alert October 7, and according to a post on the Idaho County Sheriff's Facebook page, a member of the Idaho County Posse, that's a trained group of search and rescue volunteers, did locate him safely. There were no details as to why he'd gone MIA, but it certainly rattled the community to have so many people missing at the same time. And that includes Connie Johnson. Connie disappeared the very same day Terrence Woods vanished. She's 76 years old and was working as a cook for a hunting camp at Fog Mountain, just about 50 miles from where Terrence and his raw TV crew were. On Friday, October 5th, 2018, hunters returned to the camp around 9 p.m., but Connie and her dog Ace were gone. The hunting crew searched. Then the Idaho County Sheriff's Department brought in volunteer dog teams and rescue helicopters. Just like Terrence, though, no sign was ever detected. The search was called off on October 14th. Ace, a black and white border collie, showed up 11 days later at a ranger station more than a dozen miles from Connie's hunting camp. He was skinny, but otherwise unharmed. Connie's daughter, Nicole, who lives in Washington, D.C., told me her mom was a retired Forest Service ranger who knew her way around the wilderness. It's believed Connie and Ace went out for a walk to a place called Big Rock, about two miles away. 
Nicole tells me it seemed like the sheriff's department, while well-intentioned, was underfunded and overtaxed and clear-eyed about a missing person's chances for survival in those mountains and rivers. Family and friends raised money to put extra resources on the search, and after Ace was found, they hired a team to bring him back to the area where Connie disappeared, but Ace couldn't find anything. No one can understand why, if Connie fell, got injured, or encountered a wild animal, that there would be no trace of her. Except in that rugged backcountry, it seems a lot of things get lost, just swallowed up in the forest. I'll never get my son back, ever. Um, he wasn't just my son, he was my, my best friend, you know. Um, what I want to come out of it is that I don't want any other families to go through what we went through with this sheriff's department. It's like they don't want to do nothing. I don't even know how they, they, they live with themselves. But I, I don't care how... I would like to know how Sheriff Giddings relates anybody but four boys that go missing to how anybody could make the comment when the river spits them out, we will find them. How, how, how do you say that about people? Like they're trash, you know? I mean, that, that's something you say when you lose your inner tooth. Well, when the river kicks it out down there, you know, we'll find it. On May 5th, 2019, human remains were found in the Snake River. Later, a skull and other bones were recovered by divers from a neighboring county. Detectives reached out to all of the missing families, asking for DNA samples. A heart-dropping call, if you can imagine. Then a match, a positive ID to Shanta Pankey. After a year of searching, hoping, and praying, her family can finally begin to grieve. The FBI is assisting in that now suspicious death investigation, but not in Connie or Terrence's cases. Contacts at the FBI field office in Salt Lake City tell me that the Bureau doesn't get involved unless there is a request from local law enforcement or evidence of a federal crime. Albert Rollins has a message for Terrence Woods' father and mother. He's not alone. Yep, he is not alone and we're praying for them. And hopefully they have closure. Hopefully it's, yeah, yep. So my heart goes out to them. The Idaho County Sheriff's Department has said that none of the cases are connected. But there is a common theme. Families who say they felt the police discouraged them from coming out. Families who believed they had no choice but to tap into their own resources and networks to search for loved ones, to try to fill in the blank spots, the questions the Sheriff's Department could not answer. If you've been following along with this podcast, you know that Terrence Wood's parents are struggling with the suggestion that their son just randomly fled from his film crew and took off running into the forest and that he had some sort of a mental breakdown. Just before Terrence took off, he was talking to a woman at an old gold mine where the crew was wrapping up the shoot for the day. The production crew was in town only briefly to film what we believe was an episode for a Discovery Channel series with Gold Rush alum, Dave Turin. Idaho County Sheriff Doug Giddings went so far as to tell local media that Terrence's disappearance was not an accident, that he wanted to get lost. Terrence's family still wants to know, 
Who said Terrence was acting oddly and why? And who is the woman he was talking to? Is she a corroborating witness? I got a small clue from an email Terrence's mom shared with me. It's notes from the detective. We got a name. He made up a pretense with Sherry about going into the woods. So that must be the, the local woman. Now all I have is Sheree or Sherry, S-H-E-R-E-E, no last name. So mom still doesn't know who she is. Wow. The only person, that's who we need to find. As I'm reading this to my colleagues, Ronnie McRae and Anjali Hemphill, I see there's more. A local man identified as Bob actually is the one who made the 911 call, not a member of the production crew. The investigator's notes say he re-interviewed Bob a couple times and is now, quote, discounting the idea that Terrence had a mental health crisis. Again, I'm reading from the notes here. Bob insisted he heard about the safety briefing issue from someone. He thought Simon, um, but then he more or less admitted he may have embellished a little. Oh. He told me he mainly wanted to know that Terrence ran off, wanted us to know that. He had absolutely no answer for or evidence supporting any previous mental health issues with Terrence or that he had heard similar stories from the crew. What? In my interview with crew members, none of them overheard Terrence expressing any concerns at the safety briefing. But remember, Valerie Woods says Simon, the production manager, told her that Terrence had some kind of anxiety attack earlier in the day and had to be either detained or debriefed. And Terrence's father says Simon denied that when they asked about it in person. I tried to get the facts from the investigator directly. Um, so I did just send him an email again, trying to say, hey, can somebody from Idaho County talk to us? So far, the sheriff has still not responded to any of my emails, and he never responded to you, no, right? No, nobody Nothing. did. Nothing. Yeah. I had also hoped that the private investigator hired by Terrence's father could give us more information to work with. He apparently talked to people. He told me that he has um, more witnesses, that he had some information that the sheriffs don't have. Um, but he, at this point, he's not willing to tell me anything until the dad signs a release form. Hmm. Was this any of the stuff that he gave to the dad? Yeah, but the dad doesn't have it. He doesn't. Oh, okay. So what was the issue? What, where did the, him and the dad go wrong, I guess? Well, he wants $60 for, a rele to, for the release form. Okay. And I talked with him and said, I don't think that's reasonable. All he, he already sent you an email that said, you have my permission. Hmm. So I'm, I'm working that, I'm hoping that he'll, uh, that he'll talk to us. I think he, he may have, you know, interesting information about who we talked to. He apparently has video of the hotel and an interview with a woman named Yvonne Harris. So he just said he, does, he did multiple interviews, didn't say like who he spoke with and what he got. All I, yeah, all I know that the dad got from the Dropbox file was video of the hotel and an interview with this woman, Yvonne Harris. Mm -hmm. um, that's all the father received that he, that he recalls? That he recalls. That was, that's what was on the invoice. Mm -hmm. um, he says he has more, but the dad didn't pay him for it, so he doesn't want to give it. The private investigator never did send over the Dropbox files that Terrence's dad couldn't open and did not agree to an interview. I tried to find Yvonne Harris myself, but that name didn't come up anywhere in my record search. So her name got crossed off the list along with the hopes that she might have any information about Terrence. But as these things go, when one lead shrivels up, another one begins to bud. Well, Idaho County, where I'm the sheriff, 
there's two people for every square mile. Is that a good there's thing? There's 8,500 square miles, and there's only 16,000 people. So there's lots of room, lots of forests, lots of rivers, uh, lots of high mountains, lots of low canyons. It's just the place to live if you like that kind of country. But if you're from New York, you would hate it here. <laughs> that is Sheriff Doug Giddings. He called me out of the blue on a Friday, and we set up a phone interview for the following Monday. Of course, I had a long list of questions. So let's talk about um, uh, the area where Terrence was in. I, I, I saw one little video online of the Penman Mine, but it didn't really give me much of a sense of the terrain that's there. What is it like? Mountains. Everything's mountains. You come on, you're going up the highway. 14, it's mountains. you got a, a south fork on one side and steep mountains on both sides. And you go up and you turn <clears throat> onto another road that goes into Oro Grande, and it's rivers on one side and steep mountains. What did they tell you happened? Who's they? The, the film crew. Cause, so the film crew, this was at the end of the shoot day, correct? Yeah, I think if I remember, I was on a Friday, wasn't it? I believe it was. Yeah, they were in town on Thursday night having dinner at the local restaurant, and he was with them. And then they went back for the last day. Um, <clears throat> they were finishing up. Had one of the film crew guys, I can't remember which one it was, but he was in the meeting also. He was sitting there in his, I think, a Suburban, or he was sitting there in a vehicle, I don't know what kind. Uh, doing paperwork to finish up the day. The young man was talking to uh, a lady named Cherie that lives here in our town because she was doing transport and so forth. So she was up there, and she was talking to him. And at some point, he, he was giving her family history and et cetera, et cetera, his life story kind of. He turned, and he walked by the man in the vehicle, the film crew, and he went, I think they said like 15 or 20 feet in front turned and took off down the mountain. And that is the best we can come up with to what happened. And we have no reason to believe anything other than that, even though there are numerous conspiracy-type thoughts that people have come up with, which is not unusual. But we have a local person that was standing right there watching him when he took off, and this lady is totally trustworthy. I mean, she has nothing to do with the film crew. So she she corroborated Simon's account. Yeah, Simon's his name, that's right. She corroborated it 100%, standing there watching him. If it's such rugged terrain, how far could somebody get on foot, and in what time period? Uh, you can get all the way to the bottom. Uh, I mean, it's not impassable. And they, everyone that dealt with him said, man, he took off like a rabbit. I mean, he couldn't believe how fast he was going down that hill without crashing and burning. The sheriff explained that the helicopters found no evidence of body heat. They flew over Sunday after an unsuccessful search for Connie Johnson. His next comment surprised me. The guys that were there to search will tell you that he is not in this area, the area that we searched. But he obviously went somewhere. 
That we were not able to determine. Once he got down the road, they determined that he had slid down the bank and made it to the road. And if he made it to the road, he either caught a ride out or got past our people. He went by all the houses, hid from us, uh, did whatever. Um, but when the dogs were there and the people on the ground, if he was hurt or wanted help, he would have called out. We would have found him that way. If he was injured or if he'd done something fatal, um, the dogs would have found him. Um, we go over all those issues of why we can't find him. But the fact remains we can't find him. It seems just so strange to me. Does it seem it strange is. to you? Absolutely. So this idea that he had some kind of a mental breakdown or that he, someone had used the term, had to be either decompressed or detained, or that's not, um, that didn't flush out? Makes a good story. Okay. Make, makes a good story, but we don't have any facts that any of that is accurate. It's just a story. He might have been depressed. We don't know. He might not have been. Uh, he, he was ready to leave. We knew that. How do you know that? Um, because he had talked about uh, wanting to leave a little bit early. Um, he would, in other words, he was kind of done, so he wanted to get out of there. Mm-hmm. And it was time for him to go. I don't, you know, it makes it even more weird. They were, they were finishing up. He was going to be gone. He took off. Right, because I know that oh, I talked with his mom, and his mom said that she was going to the hospital or something, and, and he wanted to be there with her. And um, Right. So he that shared that with him and, and said he wanted to leave. Which that's tells how we know he wanted to leave. Right, and which tells me he had motivation and a reason to want to get home. Yeah, but his thinking process from that point to when he took off, that's a difficult one because he was in town Thursday night and he was headed back to town when he took off. So we're not sure how it all related, and that starts the story of, well, man, he, he, something must have clicked off and he went goofy. Well, that's not a, a factual thing. That's just one of those speculation things like, well, something must have happened. Well, yeah, that's obvious. Something did happen. He took off down the mountain. What for? We'll never know. Sheriff Giddings confirmed the story that Terrence met a woman at Oscar's restaurant in Grangeville Thursday night and gave her his number. He says the two never spoke after that. We also discussed the rumor about the rental car. We've learned that the crew rented two cars coming in for people and equipment, but returned to the airport in only one, leaving the second behind. That's the word we got, that they left it here. They didn't return it to where they'd rented it from. Does it seem odd that they wouldn't return the rental car? Everything seems odd about this case. But the fact remains, he took off, we can't find him, and all the odd stuff comes after that. I mean, everything that happens seems to be odd, and it all dead in somewhere. Sheriff Giddings says there was no need to check out the rental cars, emphasizing again there is no evidence of suspicious activity. Like, okay, they left the rental car there, so what? Uh, they're bad renters. Uh, it's not a crime, it's a civil thing. We don't follow that up. That's between them and the company they rented it from. Yes, it seems odd, but it's not that odd. People like that do things like that. You know, big companies, they got lots of... <laughs> lots of money and they don't really care what you think about if you're the rental company and what are you going to do to them if they left the car there charge them more money you get the sense that sheriff giddings is a plain-spoken man 
He's been elected to the job for the last 11 years. In TV interviews, he looks kind of like he could be Clint Eastwood's brother with silver hair and a ruddy face and a similar no-nonsense style that many people like. Giddings and his deputies have dealt with a lot of tragedies, and it appears their years of experience with missing persons cases may influence their approach, one of hard realism with little room for consideration of other outcomes. So it's tough. It's always tough. It's like a family member that is just disappears, and you can't get past it. You can't get over it, and I understand that. But I have to live with the reality of, we didn't find him, and we're not going to find him. And that's what the family can't understand. Why can't you find him? Said Because this place is unbelievable if you're from New York. And I know New York has mountains, too. But when you're so far away, it takes us eight hours to get from my office where I am right now to where that truck went in the river. Wow. Yeah, it's a big county. So... It's, it's tough. I, I can't explain to the father any way that he would accept it because he hates us. Giddings here is talking about Albert Rollins. But when you get down to the nitty-gritty, which I say in so many words, but usually don't tell the family this, just dealing with the normal everyday problems that people have, is that somehow you did something to create the problem. We are not your problem, but they blame us. We were called to try to help solve the problem that you created. And that one, drinking created that problem. And then driving created it. And then into the river created it. And so we can only do so much. And at some point, you run out of what you can do that does any good. We could have crews still up there wandering around the snow, but that's not feasible. Um, I know the families, and I don't blame them, they just don't have a good handle on it, is what we can and can't do. And they would like us to still have somebody up there, and the lady, would, her family would like us to have people still back in the mountains, and the man in the river would still like us walking up and down the river. Um, we do everything that we can with this, all the high-tech stuff that we have available to us. And at some point, we determine he's not in this area, and he's not in that area. And the next area is, you know, which way do you want to go? You know, every, I mean, there's, you just run out of options, I guess you would say. And when we run out of options, we call off the search and say we've done everything we can do. In the sheriff's opinion, looking further than the immediate search area or tracking Terrence's digital data wouldn't lead them anywhere. We spent all the time, energy, and money trying to locate him that we could spend. I thought that speaking to the sheriff would answer all of the questions, but now that the sheriff's department says Terrence didn't have a mental breakdown, it only adds to the mystery. Plus, the sheriff's belief that Terrence isn't in the search area, that maybe he caught a ride or went into hiding or something bad happened to him after he got down the hill, all the more puzzling. I still don't have a good handle on the exact search area and the mine itself. The sheriff told me there's no grid that he can provide. And I still want to hear from people who were with Terrence in Idaho or who were on the ground, going into the woods, searching.
in our next episode, the interview that just might tell us what happened to Terrence Woods. Everything felt strange. The whole thing was strange. And we all, all of us locals, all talked about it. Nothing was right. Thank you for listening to this podcast, part of the Missing Pieces series produced by Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Many, many people took time to help us in our search for information, and we are so appreciative of that. We're also grateful to the family and friends of Terrence Woods for sharing their stories with us and hopeful that one day they will get the answers they so desperately need. If you have any information that could help investigators or Terrence Woods' family, please contact the Idaho County Sheriff's Office. And one more thing, we'd love for you to join our Fox 5 Missing Pieces Facebook group. I'll be posting pictures and video from our episodes, and you can share your thoughts and questions or post messages for Terrence's family. 